Hey guys, welcome to the Lane Foundations Podcast. This is your co-host, Davis Hambrick. Joining alongside me today is Walker Lott. What's up, Walker? What's going on, Davis? Man, I'm hanging out down here at St. Simons Island in Georgia, getting a little beach trip in with the fam. It's been it's been a lot of so, fun so far. We just got here yesterday, so still got the whole whole week ahead of us. How you doing? Good, man. That uh, that pink beach house uh, mark- is the same color as your cheeks right there. That's right. Already got a little bit of sun this morning, I guess. And for people that aren't on video, I'm talking about his face cheeks, not anything else. <laughs> but man, I, hope, I hope those aren't on camera. There you go. Me too. I hope I don't get to see that. But guys, I mean, we just we're having a great time today. Walker's at the beach and hopefully he'll get some time to enjoy with his family. But we got to interview a great guest this past week. His name's Michael Barnes. Awesome. Uh, he has uh, started a new office at the, the Highland Group. And Walker, why don't you just kind of explain to us some of the things we talked about? Yeah, Michael's a really cool guest. One thing I really loved about him and, and getting to listen to him was he's very to the point. He says what he means, and he means what he says, and he doesn't just start rambling on about something off in the distance, having to come back. That was, that was pretty cool to see. You can tell that he's definitely been in the in the business construction environment for a long time because he goes out there, talks to subs, talks to owners, all types of people, right? And then comes back, says exactly what he wants to say, and then you know, conversations over or they can, uh, you know, do a reprieve of that or whatever. But it, it's, it was really cool. So, you know, Michael worked for a company for a while uh, and ended up recently, actually, you know, during COVID, I think, uh, you know, be- beginning of 21, right? Is that what he said? That end he, of 20, uh, yeah. Beginning. Yeah, end of 20, beginning of 21, he started working with this, the Highland Group uh, and started their office in Huntsville. And so it's been really cool to see. He's a pretty young guy too, just getting to, to see his how he's learned and grown by doing that, getting to hear him talk about it. You know, it's one of those things that we've talked about before on the show that's, you know, you could do something and you'd be scared about it and never do it, or just go out there, start it, and then figure it out later as you go. It's kind of what we're doing with the podcast. We're still figuring something out every single day that we're doing this, but, you know, at least we went out there and started it. And that's the same thing that he did. You know, and honestly, I, I took a lot of stuff away from there, uh, especially how he talked about treating subcontractors. And I'll let you talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think that that's a great point. Michael elaborated a lot on how he treats people and how he's trying to find how he's trying to find subcontractors. And we went kind of in detail, but from the beginning of uh, of what we started to talk about was from the point that you bid all the way till the end of the job, you have an opportunity to leave a, an impression on these subcontractors. And ultimately, you want to work for people that are going to give you the better price, but also y'all work well in the field. And so how you treat them all the way through that process is how good of a relationship you will have. And, you know, we've talked about this before. We talked about it with Nick Chaplow. You know, he, he mentioned quality safety schedule. Those are three things that superintendents are supposed to be good at. But if you don't do good at relationships, the other three don't even matter because the next job, when you're on that job with them, they're not going to listen to you. You know, you're going to have quarrels and fights, but if you would have treated people the right way, if you would have uh, actually done things and cared about those subcontractors, even when that means that you were wrong um, and having to swallow your pride a little bit and just be honest, which, you know, that that's a hard thing as men, but it's something yeah. that we have to learn to do. And I just appreciated getting to talk to him. Uh, Michael was, while I was at the company we were talking about, Michael was the, the APM at the time, and he came out and talked to me while I was an intern, one of my first internships, and he just spoke life into me. We've talked about that on different podcasts and how speaking life into people can, can change the, the perception of the rest of the time you're with that company or your life or in general. But 
Michael's a great guy, great guy, and we're glad to have him on the show. So without further ado, Michael Barnes. Well, Michael, welcome to the show. Man, we were really excited to have you on today. Uh, today we have Michael Barnes. He's with the Highland Contracting Group, correct? That's right. Uh, he, Highland Group. He uh, is awesome, dude. We're really excited to learn from him. But, Michael, just to start out a little bit, just go into detail. You know, who are you? Who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? How would you get into construction? Yeah, so um, – my name is Michael Barnes. I'm from Huntsville, Alabama, born and raised. Um, you know, I guess I guess you could say, you know, we're uh, <clears throat> I guess a little smaller contractor than some of the other guys you've been talking to. Uh, you know, we're a little, a little new for North Alabama, but you know, you know, I guess you could say my background. Um, I've got I've been in construction. It seems a little longer than now that I think about it. Um, now that you guys start asking, but you know, one of the things that uh, I guess I guess I probably got started in construction. I guess it was probably sophomore year in high school. Um, you know, I'll never forget whenever I was, I think I was a freshman or sophomore. I, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what I wanted to go. I knew I wanted to go to Auburn, grew up an Auburn fan. And um, one of the things we had, you know, I was kicking around the idea if I wanted to go into pharmacy school or all kinds of different stuff. And, you know, my, my, um, I guess it was my, my godfather, we were, we were all at a big dove shoot and um, he was, he was a residential home builder. And he said, hey, hey Mike, let's go let's go have a, let's go have a talk. So he and I went driving around and, um, you know, we, he, he asked what I wanted to do and he, you know, he had brought up the, that was the first time I ever heard building science and, you know, construction management, kind of the degree in that. And, you know, he is, his way to entice me to come into the, you know, get into the building industry was, you know, if you go get your degree in building science, I'll bring you back and, you know, you come build houses with me. So you know, that was a pretty good, um, you know, incentive to want to learn about construction um, you know, with that, he brought me in, you know, kind of was working with him, um, just building houses, I mean, sweeping floors, you know, basically a little odd end stuff. Um, and so that, that was kind of where, you know, that led to, um, obviously I didn't come back to go work with him, but, you know, he and I are still very close. We keep all the time and you know, he, he talked, he kids around all the time about how I never came back to work with him. And now we're, you know, kids around me building, building all these buildings and I won't come build houses with him, but he and I still have a really close relationship. So that's kind of my a background of kicking it into construction. So it goes, goes way back. That's right. That, that's awesome, Michael. Well, did, did that, I, I forgot, what did you say his name was? That was that was Dennis Gray. So did, did he go to Auburn to the building science program? How did he lead you to that? You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. You know, I, as a matter, I think he did. Um, okay. He's probably, he's probably in his low 60s, if I had to guess. Um, right. You know, so I couldn't, I think he did. I know he's an Auburn fan, so I could I couldn't tell you if he went there or not. Right. And you, Michael, you're one of the first people we've talked to that was led to a, let's, yeah, let's go to building science and I'm going to be in construction. You know, like, and the, you know, and the crazy thing about that, you know, looking back on that, you know, my freshman year in high school was 2008. So if you think about that, you know, 2008, nobody was thinking about going to construction. So, that's right. you, know, you know, I kind of owe my career to, you know, him of just saying that and just bringing it up to me because you know, God knows if I, was, if I was a pharmacist, man, I couldn't even imagine me going into that now. So, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll forever be grateful for pointing me in that. And, um, you know, we, we still, we still kick it around a lot talking about it. So. So where'd you go to, where'd you go into construction after you graduated? You, just, you said you didn't go work for him. So what, so, so one, why didn't you go work for him? And two, where'd you so, end up? So actually, um, you know, I worked for him for two summers and then okay. I worked for another, um, residential a little more like uh commercial yeah uh, like commercial work um he was kind of more of a mentor for me like on the you know the early phase 
Um, his name was Doug Gooch, really great guy. He's another Huntsville guy. And, um, you know, he kind of took me under his wing and, you know, he, you know, he, he saw the light of, of what I was doing. And that right. was kind of, I think it was my senior year in high school, maybe that transition of me going to Auburn. Um, and, you know, he, he had a connection with a local um, general with a, a bigger general contractor up here on the commercial side, um, a really good name of that contract. And he said, look, you need to meet these guys um, knows them really well. And, um, you know, he ended up making, he said, you need to be in commercial. He said, there's, there's a lot better career. Housing market is just too unstable. You know, that was, I was kind of on the, uh, mm-hmm. if, if starting to come back, but he said, you don't want to get involved with that. So that was when he told me, you know, you need to go into commercial, set up the meeting. Um, and, you know, and I was actually with that, you know, I was with that general contractor in North Alabama for, you know, my whole career since uh, I made this swap. So I was, you know, I worked with them all through college. You know, I think I did three or four internships, including I technically co-opted with them my last wow. um, last year. So, um, you know, I did the study abroad program towards the end, too. So I was I was with them my entire um, college career. And that was uh, and then I went to go work full time with them in the commercial side. So that was that was kind of my my stepping stones of getting into commercial construction and how I got there. So kind of kind of the baby steps. So That's right. And Michael, I, I love what you said about Mr. Doug. You said that he saw the light in you. And for me going through the not really following that exact path of getting to building science, there were people that spoke into me at certain times in my life. And uh, I know this is one of the questions I had had I had for you ready, but you know, mentoring was a was a huge role. I had a, a lot of people speak into my life and um, you know, you were one of those guys. I didn't, you don't even think really think about that at the time, but as I was an intern, you were just being positive and speaking into me. What was that like from hearing from Mr. Doug or from, um, the other guy, what was it like having someone speak life into you as a, as a young person in construction? Well, you know, with them, you know, I really didn't know it at the time, right? It was really right. one of those things that, you know, you really don't know very much and it's just, you know, you know, you kind of have to hope that you, you you surround yourself with people who can guide you. And that's that's the way you need to look at throughout your career. Um, if, if you're not around people who are going to help make you better, then you need to look elsewhere. Um, you know, obviously, I made the jumps and I know he was a little upset whenever I left. But, you know, he and I still talk all the time. Um, and, and that's really with every occupation I've had. You know, you know, after I left, you know, Mr. Gooch and I went in uh, or Doug and I went to go work for another general contractor. Uh, on the commercial side, you know, for instance, there was a uh, an older project, a senior project manager, or senior VP on the commercial side named Marty Blackwood. Um, you know, he was, yeah, Davis, you, you probably remember Marty. I mean, I, I mean, I owe my career. I mean, he, Marty has taught me more things about construction than I, than I will ever know. Um, and he was, right. he was such a good role model for me um, just by helping push me on the commercial and just to be a better builder, not necessarily, you know, he just really questioned me. Um, he really taught me how to listen. Um, that was something that I really didn't know how to do. And until you have somebody like that who can really find your weak points and point them out, it's really what helped me, um, you know, become a better version of me. And so that, that was what, you know, for instance, Marty did was, was that, that main mentor for me coming into my commercial career. That's really cool. So what drew you to the Highland group? You know, why did you decide to make that switch and end up where you are? today? Well, you know, I can tell you it was tough. Um, You know, the Highland group, a little bit about us, you know, we're based out of Foley. 
Um, like I said, we're a little bit smaller. We've got three offices. We've got an office in Foley. That's our main, you know, our main headquarters. We've got an office in Panama City. And then we've got the Huntsville office. And, um, you know, I had a very content job with where I was at before. You know, I worked for a general contractor who had a great name up in North Alabama. You know, I think the world of them, you know, they were like family to me. And, um, you know, the Highland, you know, the Highland group, they reached out to me and said, look, they said, we know what you're capable of. You know, we're familiar with what you can do. Um, and they wanted to give me the keys to success. You know, they said, look, you know, I was employee number one for the Huntsville office. Um, you know, they had done several offices. Awesome. They had done several jobs up here uh, remotely. Um, and it just, it, it wasn't working out. They said, you know, they needed a Huntsville guy. So, you know, they gave me the opportunity. I said, this is, you know, this is kind of your office. Take it and run with it. Um, so when I tell you it was a, it was a step, you know, it was, it was more than just that. It was, it was a pretty, um, it's pretty intimidating to be honest. It was, you know, I had a lot of, a lot of sits um, and, and you know, praying with my family. Um, and, and honestly, I just dug in, dug in with that company and I really went and met with their home office. Um, I met with their team. You know, that was the biggest thing before I came on board was saying, look, you know, I need to make sure that I've got the resources down here while I build this team um, so that we can help be successful up here. And, you know, their team down there, they were incredible. They were awesome. Um, you know, my boss, our CEO, Scott, you know, he's, he's very business savvy on the side of it. So that's kind of been the, the next stepping stone for me um, with the Highland Group is really learning the business side of construction. Um, so it, it, it's been good. We're, um, so we've, I've been here a year now and we're really starting to catch the momentum. Michael, can you speak a little bit on just kind of, you know, I feel like so many people are weary of making a transition to a new job like you did. You know, they're in a yeah. good company. They, they know the people really well. They'd be honestly it kind of become like family when, when you're in that sort of position. Can you just kind of speak on what you're kind of going through and just maybe how you walk the line of leaving such a good company that you're with and still keeping in contact with them and while starting a new career with a new company, you know, but still, again, yeah. like keeping equal balance on both sides. So, hey, hey, I love being here with you guys, but, you know, there's this opportunity I want to pursue and still being able to stay in contact with them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's definitely it's a lot more challenging than I probably should have made it. Um, you know, I think I was I was very, I mean, I mean, I was very attached to this company and the people. You know, they had a great company. Um, and we still talk on a regular basis. So I still, you know, they're a North Alabama contractor and you know, we're a North Alabama contractor. Right. So I see them in all the pre-bids, you know, we see them at the bid dates. We've competed against each other on a couple of jobs. Um the important thing is you, you have to leave on good terms. Um, you, you have to understand and you have to be fair and, and realize the boundaries that you don't want to overstep. Uh, one of the things is, you know, you don't snipe people. You, I'm not going back to try to recruit any of their people. Um, and that's just something you just don't do. You have to understand that side. You have to build your name. Um, you know, for me on the decision making process, when I did leave, you know, it was one of those things where because they did have such a good name, it was very easy to kind of, you know, I used the term ride some coattails. Um, that's where you can kind of, <clears throat> you know, ride on their successes. Right. And that was something that I didn't want, you know, my name to be. And, you know, I wanted to be a part of it, but I wanted to have a bigger part. And it's very hard to make a name for yourself when, when somebody already has such a great name. So that was something for me. I wanted to see and prove to myself what, what I could do um, and kind of help this company to really you know, branch up here um, in, the, in this market. Michael, I, I you know, I want to park here and really talk about, you know, this transition of coming to the Highland group. I think there's a lot of 
stuff to unpack in it. And one of those yeah. things I want to talk about is, you know, your Walker mentioned his part. I was thinking about, you know, you're moving into this new role and, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but you had never done this before, right? You've never yeah. ran an office. So yeah. you're, you're, you're taking this huge jump <laughs> in life and you're going to go run this office. What were the, I mean, the emotions, the, the feeling behind that, I, I get that you left a, a great general contract, but what was it like? Like, man, I'm going to be the guy and it's up to me and how well we do in this office. Well, a little bit about that. You know, the thing about Huntsville, for instance, Huntsville's not in Atlanta. Huntsville's not Nashville. Um, right. Huntsville's kind of one of the best kept secrets in the South. And I think, you know, it's really starting to get out now about how, how awesome Huntsville is. Um, with that, you know, Huntsville doesn't have, you know, we're starting to see your brass. We're starting to see Brassfield. We're starting to see a lot larger contractors really chase some big work up here. Um, you know, so really, you know, just to backtrack on that, you know, I'm, tr I'm trying to figure out how to word this, but whenever I was, whenever I was coming on board for me, it was all about the relationships. Um, and, and for me, relationship with subcontractors, that's a very vital key for us and our success. Um, you know, you got to have good relationships with subs. You got to have good relationships with owners. Um, and for me, when I came on board was to really take a lot of these local subcontractors that we've got, making sure that we're getting all the same pricing on our bids that other GCs are getting. So we're staying competitive. Um, and that's what we're doing. And that's kind of what my focus was, was making sure we've got our estimating team back home <clears throat> or in Foley out of the home office. So We've got our estimating team in the Foley office. And, um, you know, basically my job right out of the gate was to develop our, you know, our network of subs. Um, and so that basically means bringing all the subs that I've been using in the past, new subs that we haven't been able to use before, and bringing them and getting all the numbers and trying to get the best pricing we can, we can get, put together the best team before we kick off the job. Michael, could you go into a little bit just about what exactly your role is as a project manager? Is that your sole responsibility here at Highland? You kind of, I know you kind of manage everything yeah. overall, but you still act as a project manager in a, yeah. a project manager role, correct? So just yep. go, for those listening, could you just go into a little bit about kind of what you do? I know we've had a few project managers on before and they've gone a little bit in depth, but every company is a little bit different in yeah. that manner. So at the Highland Group, kind of what's your main role and responsibilities and day-to-day -day look like? So for me, you know, I guess, you know, obviously whoever you talk to, your project manager can be different. That's the same with the system project manager, right. superintendent, however you want to lead it. Um, you know, for me, kind of what I leaned on before is making sure that, number one, the job is successful and it's running smoothly. So on a daily basis, what I'm doing, you know, right now, right now we've got, I, I guess we've got five. Um, it's total with the Huntsville office now. So we've got five of us. Uh, it's basically making sure that, you know, whether our superintendent, He's got all the resources he needs on his job. Um, you know, for me, I'm more of the liaison between our owners, the architect, and our superintendent. Um, you know, if we've got any answers, that need, if we have any questions that need to be answered, I'm basically trying to make and make that happen. Um, past that, also, you know, with trying to chase work, find advertisements to bid, and trying to find jobs that are coming out, it, it's a little bit more on the business development side than I think a lot of other project managers do. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm out trying to find work. I'm chasing work, trying to find out some jobs that are coming out. Um, you know, obviously, you know, it'd be nice to have all of our jobs negotiated, but, you know, in a market where you're trying to build your name, it doesn't work like that. Right. You know, for us, you know, we're really trying to build our name. We're trying to, you know, get the credibility up here. You know, we've had a couple of successful projects since I've been here. Um, and every, every successful project that we have that just goes to our, you know, to our resume and that, that allows us to build the relationships not only with our with our architects and owners, but also our subs. 
Um, you know, if you treat your subs better and you, and you treat your subs well, you pay them on time and you have a successful job and you make their job easier, a sub's going to give you better pricing than they will other GCs. And a lot of That's people right. don't realize a lot of people don't realize that. And you know, I can't stress that enough. Um, you know how much a, a, your relationship with a sub means. It's just as important as it is with an owner. You know, mm. your subs are a direct you know image of you guys and your company. And so for me, I look at that 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 is a very vital asset. Um, a lot of a lot of DCs, you know, sometimes they, you know, they're, they're, they can take advantage of subs. They're just trying to punch and grind and get them in and get them out, and that's not what we're about. Uh, we don't believe in that. We believe in quality work. We really try to make sure and oversee the subs and making sure that they're, you know, we're not pushing them too hard, but we're still lean and steady in our schedule. So we get a successful, uh, more importantly, a, a quality job. So that's, that's kind of the gist of my role as a project manager, um, kind of roundabout. So, Michael, I love that. If we can stop right there at that point, I think that was really cool. I mean, the, the relationships part, I think that we all know that's a, that's a huge part of construction. Yeah. You can you can do well at uh, – I think Nick Chaplow told us, Walker, it's quality, safety, schedule, but if you're not good at relationships, those right other there. three don't come together. Um, but I love what you mentioned about how, how you treat your subcontractors. Ultimately, they're going to give you better pricing if you don't just try to get the lowest three bidders every time. I'm trying to – to make sense of all this, but there on LinkedIn, there's a guy named Garrett Moss and he, uh, he's president of Moss utilities, um, build wet media, Aaron Witt had him on his podcast and he talked about how most of the people he bid against were just guys that were just crushing him and in, in all these estimates. And whenever they got that job, the owner would always call him back and be like, man, I wish we would have gone with you because you just have the quality and the relationship and it's not, sometimes it is all about money with, with people. And then we know that's where it's at in this day and age, but he was like, sometimes it's not. Cause whenever you just pay the, try to pay the, the lowest three bidders each time, you know, the quality of the project and the, the field team, what they have to go through, it just, it absolutely sucks. Yeah. I mean, it, it happens every day. And, and, you know, for me, that was, that was a very intimidating thing for me with coming up and trying to build this office was, you know, at the time, we were not a Huntsville contractor. We were not a North Alabama GC. Um, so that was very important that I made that clear when I made the switch. And I went and, you know, I talked with all of our subcontractors and basically, you know, you know, the project team, essentially. And just I reached out to all of my connections and made sure that they understood that, hey, you guys know me. You guys should know us. They put a lot of faith and a lot of trust in us. And, um, you know, we're, we're getting some successful projects. And more importantly, we're winning some bids. So that's the you know, I can't stress that enough. I mean, because people really don't realize that subcontractors give different pricing to different GCs is as messed up as it is. Um, and especially on these hard bid projects, that's the way it works. You know, if they like working with you, they're going to give you a better price. And if they don't, they're going to give you a higher price. Either way, they're still going to come out on top. They're going to make money. So that's, that's the ultimate goal. I mean, to be honest, I've never thought about that before, but I could very much see how that is yeah. very true. Yeah, and it's like playing favorites. I would, I would rather work with someone who I want to work Absolutely. with, right? So I would rather you give know, them. The, if if you, the if you have, you know, a perfect example. If you have a, a very strong handed superintendent, somebody who's really just, you know, you know, just not fair. Somebody who's really just hammering you out, mm -hmm. um, and just doesn't understand that scope of work. The sub is going to hate that. Number one, they're not going to understand. Right. They're not going to want to work with you, um, and then. All in all, you're not going to have a successful project. Everybody on that job site has to get along. And that's why one of the things I tell our superintendents up here right now is our superintendent should not be the one 
to lay down the line and they should not be the one to really question work. You know, they should, you know, well, I wouldn't say they should question the work, but they shouldn't have to lay down the line and, and, and force confrontation with the subs. That's one of the things I stress. You know, that's my job. That is my, that's my job right. to really talk with subs and to work something out. You know, my thing is I want all of our, our superintendents and all of our subs to be, to get along and understand. Uh, a lot of, a lot of project managers don't understand that they have to be the bad guy and they have to be the guy that sometimes it has to, you know, like you said that, uh, you know, you have to be able to question them and you have to be able to lay down the line and, um, hold them accountable more importantly. And, you know, I try to tell our, our superintendents that, that, you know, I don't want them to have to be the bad guy. And I don't want them to have to be the ones always, always getting it. So they've got to get along because they're together every day. <laughs> that's yeah, right. that's, that is very true. What, what type of work do y'all mostly chase after? So right now we're, 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 we're chasing a little bit of everything. Uh, we're obviously new construction, you know, our, you know, our Panama city office right now, for instance, they've got a job. I don't know if you guys have heard of camp free, um, that's a that's a thirty million dollar project on a wow. resort package. Um, you know that's not really our thing up here. Um, you know there's not much resort packages going in Huntsville, uh, but Huntsville has a lot of offices and Huntsville has a lot of of uh, vacant offices. And so one of the kind of one of the niches that you know I like to do up here, we do a lot of build outs. You know you've got a lot of offices, you've got a lot of government contractors that are coming up here, and you know they're just taking these you know five to you know. 10,000 square foot spaces and they're wanting to completely build them out. So that that's kind of one of the things we've been doing a lot. You know, we've been, we've been looking at up here, uh, new construction. We've, we've seen several jobs um, here recently. We're working on a couple of restaurants, uh, restaurant build outs. Um, and then we, you know, we've also got a job um, in, in Lawrence County, which is um, it's a metal building. So we're dipping our toes in quite a few things. Um, you know, one of the big jobs we've got going on is on the Von Braun Probe Serena. That's a big addition and renovation project, um, and it's a it's a brute. So it's it's a it's a high speed job. Um, you know we've got heavy liquidated damages at the end of it, and uh, you know it's we got a good team on that one, and we are uh, punching and grinding and trying to get that thing out and get it buttoned up uh, by the end of September. So, but. Michael, what has it been like over the past year of working, stepping into this new role, and COVID hitting, and all the crazy prices that have gone on in the industry? What has it been like? you know, trying to, to manage this office and establish relationships during this time? Well, you know, it's funny. One of the things, <clears throat> you know, this company, um, the Highland Group actually reached out to me back in uh, in February. And this was, wow. Well, wow. this was back in February of 2020. So this was right before everything hit. Jeez, and wow. I was, number one, I was getting married on April 4th of 2020. And they, they were reaching out to get ready to start. And I said, you know what, I don't really know where this whole thing's going. You know, my wife was, my fiance was in school. We were trying to get her finished up. And, you know, I was, there's a lot of unanswered questions. So I was the sole, um, you know, funding for our family here. And so I just didn't, I wasn't ready to take that risk yet. Um, and so I, you know, I, you know, respectfully declined the offer, you know, let COVID go through. And then towards the end of the year, it reached back out to me and said, look, let, let's sit down. This whole thing's, we're, we're seeing somewhat of a light. Let's sit down. And um, so I entertained it. We ended up sitting back down. I met the team and it was just, it was a no brainer for me. And it, you know, I want to say COVID is, is, you know, hit us hard. You know, a lot of jobs we've seen kind of get put on hold because of COVID, you know, we, there was quite a few projects that were in the pipeline that people were getting ready. A lot of, um, you know, real estate developers, they were getting ready to take off, just seemed to put them on hold. Um, as far as price increase, one of the things, you know, probably one of the biggest challenges we've had is, this last year, I can't tell you a single project that we put price and we bid 
that has not been on budget. Um, I mean, it just seems like every single job that we've did has been over budget. And, you know, there's a, you know, there's nothing we can do about that. And, you know, I think within the last year, we're at about a 25% increase from last year. And when you look at it from a design standpoint, you know, I guess January last year, you know, when an owner and an architect start designing a project, which is, you've got about a year before you really start releasing it for bid. So when they're designing it, you know, the architects and they've got their cost of what it should cost. And then you get something like COVID after they've made it all happen. Well, then you throw a 25% cost increase. And next thing you know, your job, it's not funded. And so a lot of these, a lot of these owners that we're working for, a lot of these, you know, sole proprietors, franchise owners, um, you know, they're not, they're not these big corporations and that it makes it a little tough on them. And that was one of the things that we probably, we've had a lot of negotiated jobs that we've been working uh, on trying to VE and trying to budget the jobs and make sure that we can get them what they need um, while still saving them some money without trying to totally break their back at the bank. You kind of answered the question I was going to ask. I was going to say, you know, have the owners been pretty, pretty understanding of all that's happening and try to work with you? You know, you know, they're disappointed, but understanding, Um, you know, one of the things is, you know, we try to tell them, you know, on some of the negotiated jobs to say, look, we can be it. And I don't think they understand the, you know, the term to that, but obviously, you know, that's, you know, that's going back to our subs saying, Hey, where can we pick up some money? Sometimes they don't realize that they have things in the job that, you know, can cost four times as much and they don't even know what it is. Um, and, and so that's stuff that we try to bring to the table. That's one of our, our values that, you know, we can bring to our owners and our clients is saying, look, you know, we're not going to sit here and we're going to save as much money as we can. We're going to get our subs to try to save as much money as we can. More importantly, we're going to try to get you in your, in your business so that you can start making, making money and get you, uh, get you profitable. So, you know, that's one of the things that we, we try to push for them. Uh, and try to help them any way we can. We've had a couple of jobs that just, they just don't work. They just, they're not ready. They're going to wait. They put them on pause. Um, and so that's, you know, we, like I've got two right now that are in that same, that same, you know, limbo mode of, of what to do. And so that's, that's kind of what we're dealing with. Let's try to transition and talk about the older versus younger guy scenario. Uh, you know, our target audience are people that trying to get into construction, trying to learn about it, but also young students that maybe don't know about construction so i want to talk about that dynamic between you know the old veteran and the young guy because i mean we're all still there but you've gone through that a little bit more than walker and i have what was it like for you coming up talk about maybe some of your um experience as an intern but also back whenever you were home building i'm sure you know, like you said, you, you were sweeping, sweeping the floor and doing things like grunt work, but what was it like working for, for that dynamic between that older, younger guy? Well, you know, it was, I, I definitely hope I don't consider myself as an old guy yet. I'm still pretty young. I'd like to think so. So thanks for letting me feel like that. But, you know, one of the things is I'll never forget the times I've had And Davis. I know when we, you and I worked together, you know, you, you spent the time in the ditch tying rebar. You know, I, I use this joke all the time is, you know, you learn a lot in the ditches tying rebar and and I did too. And so one of the things is, you know, it's just, it gives you the ability to understand all trades of the work that goes from your, your common laborers, your carpenters, your foremen and your superintendents. And, you know, I can't stress that enough to people who are coming into construction and who might not want to go in the field. You know, you, you have to be able to see all sides of that. And, you know, with, 
with my background, you know, I was able to get in quite early to the point where I could really do a lot of things. Um, I really got to bounce around and see it. And so being able to be able to talk to talk with a lot of the, you know, kind of the good old boys and some of the guys that, um, you know, not necessarily the project manager, but just some of the guys who really kind of helped make the job go. And I'll never forget that. And you have to understand that. And I even carry that today of being, you know, whenever I go to a job site, I'll always shake their hand. I'll always say hello to everybody on the job site. Nobody on the job site should be treated any different. And that's important to me. And I'll never forget that. And I hope I never take it for granted and realize, um, you know, how much those guys mean to a job site. And I'll, I'll always try to let them know. So. That's really cool. I mean, I think you hit on something really big there too. Just talking about, you know, everyone's equal, honestly. And it's yeah. people on a, and, and honestly, and there are totem poles on a job site, you know, and, and that's yeah. definitely there for sure. But it's not that someone's better than the other one. It's just that someone was dealt a different card in life. Yeah. You know, the laborer was dealt a different card than the PM and the PM yeah. just so happened to get there, you know, and the labor, the thing is they could get there if they wanted to, but there's certain steps that they, a little bit more they have to take to get there. You know, and so it's just being that light and just helping them along the way is is, is awesome. I love that. Yeah, you know, it's one of the cool things about it is being able now that I've been you know out for, I guess it's I guess it's five almost five five or six years now. So one of the cool things is whenever I got out, you know, I'm seeing some of the guys that mm-hmm. I was working with when I first came out, and even when I was interning with, you know, now they're getting to that superintendent level. When I remember, they were just listening to music, tying rebar, and just you know you know, just really not doing much and, right. blow, and, and blowing the, uh, blowing the asphalt, getting it cleaned up. And now you look at them and, and you, that's, that, that's such a valuable part to construction. That's the beauty of it, right? Is you can go as far as you want in, constru- in construction, no matter what degree you have, no matter what you can do. Um, and that's such a powerful occupation for people who maybe not are, don't really want to go to school. Maybe that's not for them. That's nothing wrong with that. If you've got the drive and you've got the ability to take it as far as you want, Hey, construction can be your thing if, if you're ready to work for it. Uh, now, don't get me wrong; you're going to have a, a tough few years in early on, but it, it'll 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 be worth it down the road. So, yeah, I mean, there's some laborers who have ended up CEOs of major, you know, corporations. I mean, no, she, yep. You know, right. one thing. This is one question, and we never asked this before, and I'm really sad that we haven't asked this. It's like 20 something people that we haven't gotten to ask this question to. But what 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 do you love about construction? What is your what is your favorite part of it? You know, I think I think your typical answer is you like seeing the buildings get thrown up, right? It's, it's seeing something from the start to finish, and that is. Um, but for me, it's the people. I mean, I think that is yeah. like the relate. I'm a relationship guy. Everybody, right. everybody yeah. from start to finish on the job, whether it's the architect, whether it's the owner, uh, whether it's our carpenters, whether it's our superintendents, I love our people, and it doesn't matter who you are. If 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 you can help us succeed then that is why I really love construction because I, I deal with more people every single day. I love talking to people and I like hearing people's stories. I like hearing their trades. Um, but to the end of that question is, you know, perfect example is this last job I did. It was, it was for the Alabama veterans museum. Um, it was up here in North Alabama. Um, great team. It was, a, it was a hard bid job. You know, we went after it really hard Ended up getting the job, and, and I did it. That was my first job with the Highland Group. And after getting to know them, it's nothing but veterans. It was state-funded. And one of the things that we we dealt with on the job was, and after getting to hear their stories, was you've got all these old war, you know, these war veterans. And I got to hear more war stories from these guys. And their highlight is this museum. 
And so yeah. when we finished this museum, really cool. one of the coolest things was when we finally had our handoff was how thankful they were and how much they talked about it and how much they loved the product that we gave them. And, awesome. and so, you know, it was, you know, one of the things that they talked about, for instance, was this project was, has been in design and recruiting funding for 10 years. So a job for us that took, you know, I guess it was right around five months. It was about a million dollar project just to build out. And it, and it's about a million dollars and it took nine years for them to get funding and design and to finally to see that product come to fruition was so rewarding for them to see it. And for me as well. So, I mean, I get chills just being able to talk to him. I still talk to him all the time. Um, you know, we've got a ribbon cutting coming up here in July on July 1st. Uh, Governor Kay Ivey is coming up for that. So we're having a big awesome. turnout. So we're, we're really excited about it. And that, that to me is why I love construction. I love I love getting to talk to the owners. I love getting to meet our subs. I like building new relationships with subs, new relationships with subs. Um, and so that that's kind of that's kind of what makes makes me tick. I love that story, Michael. I mean, that's one of the reasons why Walker and I have really started this podcast. And yeah. going back to what you were saying earlier about your superintendents, you don't want them to ever have to define that line. You want them to be the guys that are out there working with those subcontractors. And yes, and there's a lot of different ways you can go with this, but you know, one of the reasons why Walker and I started this was we want ultimately the, the construction industry to uh, take the next step of how we treat people. But we believe in our hearts that God's the reason why, you know, we have this lie and why we have this reason and why we want to do this thing. We want to be able to, to share people by what we do with our light that we are different from other people. Yep. And so these relationships that you're talking about, they're going to carry you into this next phase of working with the Highland Group and move forward. But man, that's just an awesome story. Kudos to you, and it's really cool getting to getting to hear from you and talk about these different stories that you're telling us. And if we can transition just real quick, because I know we're getting close to time, Walker, and I'll let you close us out. But um, I wanted to go back, and you know, I was that younger guy. You've been that younger guy, Walker. Walker's still there with us, but. What are some qualities for that younger person that's coming into construction? What are some qualities you think you should tell them they should have if they're willing to try to take that step? Confidence. You are going to be the best version of yourself with confidence. Whatever, whatever makes you confident in what you do, you will succeed. Um, you know, I can't stress that enough. You know, if you are, if you are an intern and you're working with a GC and you're gaining confidence, that is what that is. You know, I cannot stress that enough and trying to set you up to succeed. So, you know, like right now we've got an intern with us um, who's at Auburn. He's graduating in December. Right now, I can't stress. We've got him on a little job up here. Very simple. But we're setting him up to give him the confidence and to give him that ability to, to be able to chase big, to do bigger jobs and work his way up. Um, you know, that, that's probably the number one quality you could, you could shoot for. Uh, well, and, I, and also, I think, you know, integrity. Right. You know, integrity is definitely what you're looking for. And, and to just be honest and, and understanding what people may be going through, what your subs are going through. Um, you know, right now we're, we're dealing with you know, a lot of rain delays and being able to understand and really see their side of the spectrum is going to make you a better contractor. So, you know, those are probably two of the biggest qualities that I see um, to help me succeed is, is integrity and, and, and just trying to build your confidence. All right. I love that. That was awesome. You know, we, those are two unique answers that we've had on this show. Yeah. Confidence and integrity. Honestly, mm -hmm. I wrote both those down and made me think a lot. Yeah. But Michael, kind of going off of that, you know, this is a question we like to ask to everyone. 
and and usually gets everyone thinking too. But if you could, if you could go back to your twenty year old self with the knowledge and wisdom that you know now, you know what what piece of advice would you give yourself? What what would you wish you knew coming up? You know, you know, I, I think about that a lot, right? You know, because I, you know, I, I, I get to talk to some some guys like you and some younger guys. Um, you know, one of the things that I go back and look on what I probably struggled with the most coming out of college was my ability to listen. And you know, a lot of times in college, and you know, you guys probably did the same thing. Was I'd go to class, I'd learn it, and then I would just bank on trying to learn it after class. And I'd try and I wouldn't really, and, you know, I, I wasn't a great student. Um, you know, I got by, I mean, I was, I was pretty average. Um, but, and I think the reason was because I just really didn't know how to listen. And what, once I got out of school and I became accountable, started getting employed, I started getting a paycheck and realizing that, you know, if I missed something and I was held accountable for it and it was something because I just didn't listen, you know, somebody would talk to me and they would say something and then it would be 10 or 15 minutes later, I just would shake it off. And that was probably the biggest thing that I've had to adjust and try to learn is trying to what helps you listen and what are the keynotes and what makes you a better listener to understand something and to comprehend it faster. Because the faster you comprehend it, the faster you understand it, the better contract you're going to be. And that that means that's going to be you know, you're going to be able to be faster on getting your, you know, your architect an answer. That's going to be faster on getting your superintendent an answer. Uh, and more importantly, it's just going to keep the job moving and keep you guys moving to the next step of the job. And so that, that would probably be my biggest advice is learning the ability to listen and, you know, really hone in on that skill. Walker, you know where I'm going with this. Listen, learn, and lead with questions. It'll change your life. That's right. That's the best advice I ever got from my aunt, a dear lady to me. But, man, just, she told me that. And I was like, wow, what do you mean by that? And it, it took me working at Fight and being with her that summer to really grasp that and go through that leadership training. And what do you mean? Listen, learn, and leave the question. I'm going to lead up to someone above me. What does that even mean? But you're right. You know, I think that that's a hard thing that a lot of people do learn. It's kind of funny too. You get out of college and it finally clicks with you, but uh, you know, Michael, I appreciate you being willing to step out with us today and really just willing to, to be open and tell us about your experience of growing up and getting to, to the Highland group. And man, we just appreciate you joining us today. You. Absolutely. You know, I really uh, appreciate what you guys are doing. You guys are uh, you got far beyond your years with what you're doing. It's never been on a podcast before. It's not, it's a little new for me. And you, know, <laughs> well, you did great. The fact that you guys are doing what you're doing, I think it's great for the industry. I think it's great for just, you know, you know, your age group, not only, you know, even some of the senior guys can learn a lot from you guys just to hear a different spectrum um, for, for new hires. And so I think what you guys are right. doing are really, uh, really, doing some doing some good so i I, i'm honored to be on here and i uh look forward to looking look forward to watching your podcast grow thanks for joining us for laying foundations podcast i'm your co-host walker lott here with my co-host davis hambrick we really appreciate you guys joining us Uh, we look forward to many more episodes we have planned for you look for us every monday we have an episode coming out we're also working very diligently to get our social media accounts as well as our web page up so you can learn a little bit more about us and follow us as we go along the journey